If you would, remain standing for the reading of God's holy word. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. I will read verses 1 through 12 as we continue to look at this wonderful sermon by Christ. Matthew 5, beginning in verse 1. Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he had sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word. Please be seated. So the poor in spirit, those who mourn, the meek, it is these who are blessed by God. That Jesus Christ, the Son of God, was declaring to His disciples on that mountain that those who know that they are spiritually bankrupt without Christ, they are members of the kingdom of heaven. That those who mourn their sin and the results of it in this fallen world they can go to God and they can be comforted. That those who are meek, they will inherit the earth because they belong to the Lord whose kingdom and reign will never end. What Jesus is preaching in this sermon are characteristics of those who have been born again. These beatitudes are not possibilities that might spring forward from God's children, but fruits that will come forth from those whom the Lord has saved. God's children truly are blessed, not just with the life that is to come, but also in this present life. Often we are guilty of only thinking about what is to come. But God's children are blessed this very moment. Even thinking about what has come to pass just this morning. As I sat in my office and I listened to the thunder roll and the rain come down. As a child of God, I was able to praise Him for what He is providing. God's children are truly blessed. Not just in the life to come, but also in this present life. The blessing of salvation, whenever it comes by God's grace, is that He opens their eyes and their hearts to the truth. That the Lord graciously gives that soul just a taste that they cannot fully comprehend in the here and the now because they keep growing in their understanding of who the Lord is as well as their sinfulness. That God's children are blessed in this life and the blessing of being a child of God is not temporary. That blessing is eternal. It never fades. The blessing of belonging to the Lord as we age, 
The blessings of belonging to Jesus never fade. They never rust. In fact, they only grow. But the God who saved us, He continues to mature us. And when He does, we have a greater understanding of who He is. His holiness, His righteousness, His justice, His comfort, His peace, His steadfast love that never fades, His faithfulness, His grace, His mercy, His sovereignty, His immutability. As weak, puny, and lowly sinners who have failed to worship the Lord and give thanks to Him, He picks them up when He saves them. He gives them a new heart. The Spirit of God fills them and He never stops conforming them more into the image of Jesus, the exact imprint of the glory of God. These Beatitudes are characteristics that God will produce in those who are His because God's children will image Him. There's no question about that. In the Sunday school class that I sometimes get to attend, and often I'm late, we looked at Catechism Question 1, well, question two, what is the chief end of man? The answer is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. Therefore, our chief or greatest purpose is to reflect God as glorious. This is something that God's children does. This is what they do. They reflect God as glorious. As God's children, we are to take seriously who God is and how we are living. We are to approach the Word of God, the worship of God, and all His good commands with great seriousness and great reverence. After all, God's children are gentle. They are humble. They are lowly. They are meek. They are children who obey the forever Father who adopted them. Look at Matthew 5.3 with me. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn. They shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. The blessings of belonging to God, they keep growing. If you are listening right now, know this, you have been prayed for. If you're lost, I hope you see the greatness of God and the salvation that is found in Jesus Christ, the Son of God. If you're sure of your salvation this morning, and you're struggling, I hope you see Christ more clearly. That you come to a greater understanding that He is more than enough. That Christ satisfies. And the things of this world do not. If you're saved and not struggling this morning, I hope your life is full of praise to the Lord. I hope your assurance grows today. And I hope as a result of God's Word being preached by His grace, that you delight more in Him, that your eyes are open to the needy and struggling saints who are around you. May the Lord cause everyone in this local church to follow Christ more closely this morning, as well as helping others follow Him. What the world treasures is not to be our treasure. When we claim to be a Christian, we are claiming to treasure Christ, not this world. The pursuits of the lost, they are not to be our pursuits. The comfort that sinners run to, that is not to be where saints run. This sermon was opposite of Jewish thinking. It is opposite of the world's thinking today. But as Christians, this sermon is to be truth that we embrace with our life. Not just with a hearty amen, but we walk out of here as humble saints saying, Lord, I'm going to please you, please Grant me the grace to do that.
Christ has spoken this sermon, therefore we need it. Every week I have reminded us that these Beatitudes, they are progressive. This means they build on each other. Week one, we understand our sin. Week two, we mourn our sin. Week three, we live as meek individuals before God and around others. And now we have arrived at verse six, Beatitude number four. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. The blessed souls in this life, they are the souls who are hungry and thirsty for righteousness. So the mourning of our sin, the the meekness before the Lord, that leads to something. It leads to being hungry and being thirsty for righteousness. It seems obvious, but it must be said, if we are hungry and thirsty for something else as God's children that is greater than that of righteousness, we have idols in our life. We must not think as God's children that idols are just these carved things. They are also these bright objects, these shiny objects, these green objects that cash, and it's things that we click on and off and they, they take in our full gaze. We have misplaced priorities. We have people or objects that are present in our life that are unworthy to be worshipped. And when we have misplaced priorities as God's children, we have a worthy God that is not first in rank in our life. So before we discuss some truths from verse 6, let me lay two foundations which must be laid. First, Those who hunger and thirst for righteousness are only those who are saved. Romans 3 makes this crystal clear. What then? Are we Jews any better off? No, not at all. For we have already charged that all, both Jews and Greeks, are under sin. As is written, none is righteous, no, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. Their throat is an open grave. They use their tongues to deceive. The venom of asp is under their lips. Their mouth is full of curses and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood, and their paths are ruin and misery, and the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. So if you are lost this morning and you are listening, you don't seek the God who made you. He seeks and saves the lost through the preaching of His truth, His gospel, His holy word, by the power of His Holy Spirit. Romans 10, verse 3, For being ignorant of the righteousness of God and seeking to establish their own, they did not submit to God's righteousness because they cannot. Matthew 5, verse 20, For I tell you, unless the righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. You see, the scribes and the Pharisees thought they were in and of themselves good enough. If your righteousness does not exceed that, you'll never enter. A self-righteousness like that of the Pharisees does not save. I don't want the lost who are listening to this sermon to think I am almost there. God has already commanded you to repent and believe in the gospel for salvation. May this happen today. Matthew 4, verse 17. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. 
May you call on Christ. Everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Come to Christ today if you are lost. But please understand this. If you are not His right now, today's blessing that is discussed is not for you. Foundation number one is this. You must be His. Foundation two, to be hungry and thirsty for righteousness. Beatitude number one, number two, and number three must be present. You must come before the Lord empty-handed. You must come mourning your sin. You must come with meekness. And if these three are not present in your life, you are not hungry and thirsty for righteousness. It's not like number one, number two, and number three fade, and then we just get to number four. Number one, number two, number three, they build, and you arrive at number four. You must be His. And to be hungry and thirsty for righteousness, these things must be present. These beatitudes are progressive. They build on one another. It's like the building blocks of our sanctification as we grow and look more like Christ because God is doing that in us. So with these two foundations, we can now move forward. Point number one. To be hungry and thirsty for righteousness is to experience a God-given grace. To be hungry and thirsty for righteousness is to experience a God-given grace. We all probably know what it means to be hungry and thirsty to some extent. Over the last few weeks, even though it's been hot, I have maintained running outside at least once or twice a week. I have experienced what it is to be extremely thirsty and to look over at a friend and ask for some water. We have all had moments where we've been hungry, or as many call it today, hangry. The disciples whom Jesus was speaking to understood what it was to hunger and thirst. They experienced the desert. They knew what it was to not have food, to not have water, to be starved in moments, to be parched in others. This is what our minds need to go to when we think about being hungry and thirsty for that of righteousness. It is something that we cannot live without. It's something we're yearning for that we want more and more of. Spiritual hunger is a mark of God's children. It is a mark of God's children. The word righteousness here is not referring to our justification before God because lost souls are not hungry and thirsty for God. No one seeks for God. We've already established that. Jesus is not teaching a legal righteousness here, but a moral righteousness. As John Stott states, moral righteousness is that righteousness of character and conduct which pleases God. It seems like it's almost been lost in our culture today that if we are a child of God, that, that means we're all under grace, but God's children, they want to please God. Amen? Amen? It is a strong desire to please the Father with our manner of life. I mean, the word righteousness describes those who are seeking something they don't have in and of themselves. I mean, a child of God does not come before God and say, Lord, I got everything I need. Yes, that may be true in Christ, but you're coming before the Lord saying, Lord, I need you to do a work. You know, righteousness in this sermon is a condition that is acceptable to God, a state approved by God. It's fruit of our justification, a personal Righteousness, also known as spiritual growth or sanctification. If we in this room have been saved and we desire maturity, we are hungry and thirsty for growth, this is a God-given grace. To be hungry and thirsty for righteousness, this is not natural. 
It's unnatural. It makes no sense when you read Romans chapter 1 and you see that, man, we have just fallen off and not just fallen off the wagon. We're underneath the ground dead in our sin. You know, coming before the Lord empty-handed, spiritually bankrupt, having sorrow for sin, broken, humbled, and hungry to please the Lord, that is to experience God-given grace. That's why as a father, like I rejoice when I look at my wife or my children and I see them concerned over their sin or they come and ask for forgiveness of their sins. That's a God-given grace. That's God at work. We don't deserve salvation. We also don't deserve the experience of talking to God. We don't deserve the experience of coming before God. And we definitely don't deserve the experience of coming before a holy God hungry and thirsty for more. This experience of being in a dry desert, of being hungry and thirsty for righteousness, it's a God-given grace that we need to be thankful for as God's children. To experience God's grace time and time again, it is a blessing. And any blessing from God should be responded by the people of God as saying, Lord, thanks. Point number two. To be hungry and thirsty for righteousness is to be hungry and thirsty for something that is alien to us. It's to be hungry and thirsty for something that is alien to us. If we are hungry and thirsty for something for righteousness, we are hungry and thirsty for something that is outside of us. It's something alien to us, and it's only found in the Lord. As God's children in this room, we say divine amen to that because we have tried all the things of this world. I mean, let's just be honest. As God's children, we continue to try the things of this world. And the end result is that we are left empty, left wanting more, with no lasting satisfaction. That worldly pursuits, worldly experiences, the secular self-helps, the pursuit of personal happiness, the pursuit of money, the pursuit of intimacy, they all fail to satisfy I thought about this last night as I was at the Rangers game and we're in the 10th inning and we are down, it seems like, as normal. And I'm looking around, I'm like, I wonder how many of these people, their hope is set upon the Rangers. All these pursuits, they are natural as an unbeliever. But as God's children, our greatest pursuit, that is to be the Lord. To be hungry and thirsty for righteousness is to experience a God-given grace. To be hungry and thirsty for righteousness is to be hungry and thirsty for something that is alien to us. Point three. To be hungry and thirsty for righteousness is to be hungry and thirsty for Christ. It is of the utmost importance that we not only look to Christ for our justification, but also our sanctification. Our everyday walk, the repenting of our sins every day, the trusting in Christ alone for our salvation, the following of the Lord in obedience by being baptized, that's just the beginning. Salvation, it puts us in right standing with God. Our faith grabbing hold of the righteousness of Christ, but our salvation does not fill us in this life. What fills us is a continual pursuit of Christ. Christ satisfies. It's not just when we are justified. It's that we continue to pursue Christ and get filled with Him. 
That's what we become filled with. It's Christ every day. That followers of Christ are not just satisfied with knowing I belong to God. There is great comfort in this. There is a huge comfort in this. But they desire more. They want to follow Him and image Him because that's what they were created to do. To hunger and thirst for righteousness is to hunger and thirst for Christ. The picture here is that of a man, woman, or child who is saved, rising in the morning, praying for their day, eating food to live, feeding on the Word of God, talking to Christ throughout the day, hiding God's Word in their heart, seeking the Lord in all things, their life, their family, their neighbors, and the salvation of the souls around them. A hunger and thirst for righteousness is a life pattern of meeting Christ, meeting with Christ. It's not a temporary fad. The thoughts of a man, woman, or child saying, I belong to Jesus, and then years and years and years and years and years and years of patterns going by where there is no fruit saying, I belong to Jesus, you need to re-examine your life. To truly know Christ is to know that our life could never be bored with Christ. God's Word speaks of the promise of a Redeemer. Matthew's Gospel teaches that Jews, that Jesus Christ is the long-awaited Messiah who has come, that Christ has come. He has lived a perfect life. He has taught the Word. He has proclaimed the Gospel of the Kingdom. He has healed diseases. He has died on the cross. He has rose from the dead. He has commissioned His children. He has sent to heaven. And He is coming back. That those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, they are blessed. They know that only Jesus satisfies their soul. Not just in the future, that Jesus satisfies their soul in the here and the now. Listen to Psalm 16. Preserve me, O God, for in you I take refuge. I say to Yahweh, you are my Lord. I have no good apart from you. As for saints in the land, they are the excellent ones in whom is all my delight. The sorrows of those who run after another God shall multiply. Their drink offerings of blood I will not pour out or take the name, their names on my lips. Yahweh is my chosen portion of my cup. You hold my lot. The lines have fallen for me in the pleasant places. Indeed, I have beautiful inheritance. I bless Yahweh who gives me counsel and the night also my heart instructs me. I love those words. It's it's a reminder whether it's day, whether it's night, Christ is enough. I have set Yahweh always before me because He is my right hand. I shall not be shaken. Therefore my heart is glad and my whole being rejoices. My flesh also dwells secure for you will not abandon my soul to Sheol or let your Holy One see corruption. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Psalm 107, Oh, give thanks to Yahweh, for He is good. His steadfast love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Yahweh say so, when He has redeemed from trouble and gathered in the lands from the east and from the west, from the north and from the south. Some wandered in desert wastes, finding no way to a city to dwell in. Hungry and thirsty, their soul fainted within them. They have cried to Yahweh in their trouble, and He delivered them from their distress. He led them by a straight way till they reached a city to dwell in. 
Let them thank Yahweh for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man. For he satisfies the longing soul and the hungry soul. He fills with good things. Jeremiah 31, verse 25, For I will satisfy the weary soul, and every languishing soul I will replenish. How about the Gospel of John? John chapter 4, we know it very well, the woman at the well. Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water, welling up to eternal life. John 6.35, Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. John 7.38, whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. You know, you don't, you don't see the things of this world flowing into your heart that satisfy. What satisfies is Christ. That to be hungry and thirsty for righteousness is to experience a God-given grace. To be hungry and thirsty for righteousness is for something that is alien to us. To be hungry and thirsty for righteousness is to be hungry and thirsty for Christ. Point four, to be hungry and thirsty for righteousness is to have a deep-rooted desire to please the Lord. A life that is hungry and thirsty for righteousness will want to please God. They will want to bear fruit for the Lord. John 14, 15, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. A, a person who is hungry and thirsty for righteousness, that's what they want. Like They want to please the Lord with how they're living and thinking and doing and everything. Remember, moral righteousness is that righteousness of character and conduct which pleases God. That means we want to please Him with all that we are. John Stott describes the righteousness which God's children seek in this life. He says, For biblical righteousness is more than a private and personal affair. You know, we can often be guilty of that, right? He says it includes social righteousness as well. Social righteousness, as we learn from the law and the prophets, is concerned with seeking man's liberation from oppression, together with the promotion of civil rights, justice in the law courts, integrity in business dealings, and honor in home and family affairs. Thus, Christians are committed to hunger for righteousness in the whole human community as something pleasing to a righteous God. I like the words of John Stott, but... I have to be honest, Martin Luther made it very clear. If you cannot make the world completely pious, then do what you can. There is a spiritual fight in those who belong to God. They are spiritually hungry and thirsty, and this leads into a life full of good deeds. Christians have a spiritual appetite to please God. They spend time with one another. But fellowship is not the end-all, be-all. They see needs among their local church, and they serve. They pray for one another. They pray with one another. In other words, Christians get to work for the glory of God. If you need more input on this, read James. A hunger and thirst for righteousness springs God's children into action. It does not put them on the couch. 
the mourning of our sin as Christians, it leads to something. It leads to a hunger and thirst for righteousness. It leads to a desire to please God. Our spiritual fight, it results in time in the Word of God, time in prayer, time spent obeying God. To be hungry and thirsty for righteousness is to experience a God-given grace. It's to be hungry and thirsty for something that is alien to us. It's to be hungry and thirsty for Christ. And it's to have a deep-rooted desire to please God. And number five, to be hungry and thirsty for righteousness is to find satisfaction. All these Beatitudes, they come with a beautiful promise. Don't just look at the beginning, look at the end. The kingdom of heaven is yours. You will be comforted. You shall inherit the earth. And you will be satisfied or you will be filled. Christian or non-Christian alike, we want to be filled in this room. The question is, what's the source? As a Christian, it's to be Christ. The things of this world do not satisfy. The Lord promises that those who hunger and thirst for righteousness will be satisfied or they will be filled because they know the source of that righteousness is Him. So I pose this question. Why are there so many in the church who are not satisfied? Why are there so many that attend church week after week? They serve. They're fed by sermons. The best teachers of the day, not me. They learn from Puritans. They learn from great books. They are active and wonderful local bodies, and yet they are not satisfied. Martin Lloyd-Jones said it this way, We are not to hunger and thirst after blessedness. We are not to hunger and thirst after happiness. According to the Scriptures, happiness is never something that should be sought directly It is always something that results from seeking something else. So satisfaction in the Scriptures, satisfaction in this life, satisfaction is found in Christ Himself. That Jesus Christ satisfies. Children and teenagers, my prayer as one of the pastors here is that you would learn this now. You're going to be consumed with all the things thinking that this will satisfy. Nothing satisfies outside of Christ. Listen to Matthew 6.33. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Philippians 3. Paul is speaking to persecuted Christians. Don't put yourself in that category. Indeed, I count everything as lost because it's passing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. He considered everything as loss because of knowing Christ. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things. I count them as rubbish, nor that I may gain Christ, be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness of God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection, that may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. The words of St. Augustine kept going through my mind. Thou hast made us for thyself, and our hearts are restless until they find their rest in thee. That's why so many Christians are not filled. They're not going to Christ for their rest. They're going to the blessings for their rest, which do not satisfy. 
Jesus is the greatest blessing. To be hungry and thirsty for righteousness is to experience a God-given grace. To be hungry and thirsty for righteousness is to be hungry and thirsty for something that is alien to us. It is outside of us. To be hungry and thirsty for righteousness is to be hungry and thirsty for Christ himself. It's to have a deeper desire to please God. To be hungry and thirsty for righteousness is to find satisfaction in him. And do not think for a moment that it's like everything else in this world where it will automatically come. Like if you are picturing that you will go home today, that you will go out on your back porch and you will spend time with God and you will feel completely satisfied in this first time, you have a lot of work to do. Knowing the Lord, resting in the Lord, becoming satisfied with the Lord. Read the scriptures. Look at God's children, God's servants who struggled and went through a spiritual fight. You find satisfaction in Him, but you need to wait. you got to go to the stream and sit for a while and unplug. For some of us to get into this area of truth for our lives, we have things in which we must put aside and put down and turn off and meet with God. Because we have to honestly come to the conclusion we have to mourn our sin, knowing that we don't have anything to bring to the table. We mourn our sin before the Lord. We haven't done that. How in the world are you going to be satisfied with Him? To be hungry and thirsty for righteousness is to be satisfied in Christ. We have mourning of our sin to do. So Christian, are you looking to Christ for your satisfaction? This church will not provide it. The people in this building will not provide it. Christ provides it alone. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. If you're lost this morning, call on Christ for your salvation. Everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Repent. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Christ alone satisfied. There is no lasting satisfaction in the things of this world. Only Jesus Christ eternally satisfies. So often we think about what is the world to come and we long for heaven. What if you just long to be filled with Christ today? Father, thank you for your holy word. I'm amazed as your child that you uttered the words, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. That in this desert of a world in which we live, we can find satisfaction in you. And yet we continue over and over and over again to look in this world for what does not fill us and does not satisfy And we ignore you. Lord, forgive us of our sins. Cleanse us white as snow. Draw those who are lost to yourself. Draw your children more into an obedient lifestyle. A moral righteousness which screams from our hearts to please you in all things. That in how we live our life, people may look at us and glorify you. that we may be 
thinking about the salvation of souls that are around us. That we may be thinking about how can I spur on my brother and my sister in Christ to love you and to enjoy you and to glorify you. Father, may we hunger and thirst for righteousness. This is our prayer. And we ask this in the name of Christ. Amen.